Good morning. I want to invite the ushers forward with, with Bibles as we enter into um, thinking together today about our mission statement, compassionately serving our neighbors. This mission statement um, is under our vision statement of seeing our communities changed one person at a time through hope in Jesus Christ. I'm Nancy Brewer, the Director of Missions and Outreach here at North Shore, and that is something, as Pastor Scott referred to, with the offering that we do together. And the video just affirmed that, didn't it? That while compassionately serving our neighbors is one of our mission statements, we do it in and through community. We do it as we partner with others. And today, we have some of our local mission partners with us, and they're gonna be sharing with us as we explore and grow together in this mission statement of compassionately serving our neighbors. The video was produced by EFIA, Everett Faith in Action. Everett Faith in Action is a network of faith-based leaders that partner with nonprofits and the city of Everett to address homelessness and its causes. So let's just pray before we enter in further to this theme. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are present with us right now. And Lord, we might have rushed here and we might have stuff to do afterwards for the picnic and we're looking forward to that. But right now, we just want to be purposefully present to you your spirit, your word, one another. Give us ears to hear, hearts and a will to respond in the way in which you are calling us to. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as I mentioned, we're gonna be looking at compassionately serving our neighbors, and I wanna address it from a very simple framework. What, how, who? What? The what is serve. It's right there. It's the verb in our phrase, serve. In Mark 10, 35 to 45, two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, asked to be given places of prominence in Christ's kingdom. One asked to sit on Jesus' left-hand side, the other on the right-hand side. Now, the Matthew account of this passage states that it was their mother who asked for the places of favor for her sons, possibly all three made the request. Well, of course, the other 10, when they hear this, become indignant. Jesus addresses everyone in Mark 10, 43, and he says, whoever would be great among you must be your, everyone together? Servant. Jesus goes on to state in verse 45 about himself, even the son of man, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 13 is the account of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples shortly before he's betrayed by Judas. And regarding the foot washing, Jesus says in John 13, 15 to 16, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Serve. It's a verb. Interestingly, one of the definitions for the word verb is a state of being. 
a state of being. Jesus modeled serving as a state of being and he calls us as his followers to the same posture. In John 13, 17, Jesus goes on to say something very intriguing about serving. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The Passion Translation puts John 13, 17 this way. So now, put into practice what I've done for you, and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. Serving is a state of being that leads to blessing. Serving is a state of being that leads to blessing. It's a truth of living in God's kingdom. It's God's reality. It's the way he set it up. I don't know that we can fully explain it or understand it, but I do believe part of the blessing lies in the fact that serving is not an end in and of itself. Rather, serving offers a very beautiful opportunity to know more of myself, more of others, and more of God. And because of this, serving is the way to blessing. Well, one of our partners, Melora Forey, is going to share with us on this, around this idea. And Melora is the CEO of the Pregnancy Resource Center on, in Everett on Hoyt Avenue, the PRC, uh, provides medical services, educational services, and a baby boutique uh, for families and women. It's interesting that um, their services are offered at no charge because more than half of the clients that come are at-risk women who have no insurance. The ultimate goal is obviously for everyone to know life and the life giver. Melora lives in Edmonds. She's been married 46 years been in ministry 40 years, three kids, five grandkids, loves Jesus, the word, reading and quilting. <laughs> Melora is gonna share with us how she's experienced service as a state of being that leads to blessing. Thanks, Nancy. Yeah, I've been in ministry, full-time ministry with my husband for 40 plus years, he's a pastor. Um, but my perspective on serving and service changed about three years ago. It was a Sunday morning, November 17th, 2019. I was on the platform at church opening up the gathering with our um, passage and had a cardiac arrest and fell over dead. And so um, the impact of God's miraculous life-giving provision really changed my perspective on life. Duh. And um, I began to ask, so Lord, why did you save me and for what purpose? And I did a lot of research on that. And the bottom line, my purpose, your purpose, the reason we're here is to glorify God. That's why we're here. So a true act of service does that, honors God every single time. So I'm passionate about service. Our staff and our volunteers and our partners are all passionate about service. We, um, we serve men and women in Snohomish County who find themselves in an unplanned pregnancy. And while we would love for all of our patients to choose life, many of them don't. And so we listen to them with care and we provide them support um, as they talk through their unique situations. And, 
And um, the decision they make, we know they're going to live with that decision for the rest of their lives. And so it's really important for us to work hard and provide them with all the information they need to make the best informed decision for them. A few weeks ago, we had a young woman who walked in our door. She already had her abortion scheduled. And um, she was torn because she was being pressured to have an abortion. Um, but she really wanted to find out what was going to work for her the rest of her life. So she had a pregnancy test, and she had her ultrasound. And uh, the pregnancy was confirmed, and she began coming back and talking to our staff because she felt like she could trust them. And uh, about a week after that, she sent us this message. I walked into the abortion clinic and canceled my appointment in person today. I had to go all the way in the building for the feeling to really sink in. I am so glad that I made that choice. I walked outside afterward and instantly felt a ridiculous amount of relief. Thank you, PRC, for being there for me. I'm so happy to know you and have your support and love. Confiding in you has been one of the best decisions I've made in this process, and it would have been so much more intense without your love and prayers. Yeah, thanks. Go Jesus. Um, if you don't know, really sadly... <clears throat> 40% of all abortion comes through the church. What? Yeah. Comes through the church. Women surveyed said they were attending church regularly when they found out they were pregnant. And 72% of the guys who were attending church said, I didn't talk to anyone because I thought they would judge me or condemn me. There was nobody to talk to. So it was just easier to get an abortion and go through that alone and then try and muddle through how do they heal afterward. And what's sad is there are tools that can help them. Jesus can help them, but they've locked themselves away. First um, Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. So God has equipped you with distinct motivational gifts um, so that your service to him, the what you do, springs from an inexhaustible well of delight. I love this quote from the Everett Gospel Mission website. It says, when you use your individual God-given gifts to help those hurting in your community, you raise them up and it changes you. So instead of dreading, we find ourselves looking forward with excitement to what God has called us to do. And really, make no mistake, he has called us to do. He has called us to serve. And 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Then whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. So how can you use your unique gifts to serve people in this room, 40% of women in this room, and men who have been affected by abortion, and moms, and grandmas, and sisters, and cousins? What can you do to ensure men and women making the biggest decisions of their life are not alone? How can you invest in a child or make a difference in the lives of unborn children or people struggling with poverty and homelessness. 
Allowing God to work through you brings him glory. John 15, 8 says, In this my Father is glorified that you should bear much fruit. The works of our hands bring God glory. The what you do brings God glory. Your service and that fruit of the harvest brings God glory. Thank you. Thank you, Melora. So, serving. Serving is a state of being that leads to? Blessing, yes, <laughs> okay. That's the, the what, serve. The next one is how, and the how is compassionately. Compassionately serve our neighbors. The scriptures are very clear that God our Father is full of compassion. Psalm 145, verses eight and nine. I want us to read it together. We don't do this very often, but scripture is so powerful. If you just follow my lead, we're not gonna rush, we're gonna pause where there's a comma, but let's read this together. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. James 5.11. Let's read this together as well. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And as Christ's followers, we are called to wear compassion. Colossians 3.12, which we're also going to read together. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. God has picked out for us the wardrobe of compassion. The English word compassion comes from the Latin word compati, which means to suffer with. To suffer with. I'm learning that to suffer with invites me to move away from being narrow small-minded, tiny-spirited, critical, judgmental, and invites me to be spacious and have room for stuff. If I have room for stuff, I don't have to try and force everyone into my way of thinking, which, by the way, is usually right. <laughs> if I have room for stuff, I can give up striving to preserve and impose my way of being in the world on others. Interestingly, God never imposes on us the way he would like us to be. If I have room for stuff, I can let people be messy. When I have room for stuff, I move from self-preoccupation again, to becoming a more spacious and welcoming person. And when I'm spacious and welcoming, I can choose connection, not perfection. When I'm spacious and welcoming, I can be tender rather than harsh. Tenderness begets tenderness, and the same can be said of harshness. When I am spacious and welcoming, I can consult with love, not fear, which is love's opposite, when responding to people. 
And when I'm spacious and welcoming, I can be curious about the other person, be curious about their story, and begin to realize how very, very complex we all are as people. When I'm spacious and welcoming, I remember that every single time I see someone, whether it's somebody I think I know or someone in front of me at the checkout line at the store, every single time I have a choice about how I view them. I can view them with judgment and my own internal assumptions, or I can choose to view them with compassion, wonder, curiosity around who they are and their story. Greg Boyle is the founder of Home Industries in Los Angeles, and it's the largest gang intervention, rehabilitation, and re-entry program in the world. And Greg Boyle says, the ultimate measure of health in any community might well reside in our ability to stand in awe of what folks have to carry rather than in judgment of how they carry it. Stand in awe, stand in judgment. The Everett Gospel Mission is a place that offers compassion to people who have had to carry things that most of us could never even imagine carrying. And Daniel Markham is the church partnership director at Everett Gospel Mission. EGM provides a hot nourishing meal, a warm shower, a comfortable bed, love and acceptance, compassion, which then opens the door to conversations and the opportunity to enroll in a recovery program, which can lead to transformation and a life off the streets for good. EGM provides a meal for the amazing cost of only $2.05. I don't know how they do that. Daniel and his wife Colette live on a little farm in Big Lake. Daniel is a Christian author, podcaster, and a clergy. He's an ordained clergyman. Um, and his calling to serve in the marginalized has included work with Johnny and Friends Disability Ministry, Food for the Poor, and now currently the Everett Gospel Mission. Daniel's gonna share with us what compassion to suffer with looks like at the Everett Gospel Mission. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Make sure I get my time down right because preachers can get windy. Uh, Nancy, we love you. Thank you. Uh, and thank you uh, for your support of the Everett Gospel Mission. Here's a crazy thing, right? God loves me. I mean, really. He's mad about me, and I know me, and guess what? He's mad about you. I mean, crazy in love with you. You're beautiful. You're his bride. Just so I throw that little extra in before I get going. Okay. One another and the others. Othering. What is othering? You know, the Bible's full of one another, and we also see othering in the Bible. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position, the others. I was delighted to see in your foyer uh, this morning one of your um, values, one of your key values, which is radically love one another. Wow, that's awesome. And another great confirmation of my message today. And um, so what does radically loving one another look like? Well, it's like the watermelon people. Did you see them when you came in? I did. 
They were the watermelon people. They were sacrificing their time for you and me so we could enjoy watermelon on a hot day. Wow. The Greek scholar M.R. Vincent says regarding being willing to, willing to associate with, the original sense, the meeting is being led away with lowly people, being drawn into sympathy with them. The British uh, classic scholar Frederick Farrar suggests it means letting the lowly lead you by the hand. But how do we do that, right? In the late 1990s, I worked for the Worldwide Ministry of Food for the Poor uh, relief organization. It was founded by a gentleman by the name of Ferdinand Mahfoud, Ferdy, as he was affectionately called. Ferdy taught me how to love the poor by his actions, not only his words, but I think for me, more importantly, his actions. I remember my first trip to uh, Port-au-Prince, Haiti with Ferdy uh, to one of the major number of operations in the city. And I would watch him with his, and he's kind of a stoic gentleman, you know, he's, uh, but when he begins, began to engage with the poor, here he is in this brilliantly white, Lebanese, Jamaican starch shirt, right? And he would wade into these filthy shanties and pick up these dirty babies and just love them, embrace them, dirt all over his white starch shirt. He was oblivious to the dirt. He was drawn to and given to the poor. The Swiss Bible commentator Frederick Godet said this, the lowly things ought to have for the Christian a force of attraction. Whew, that's strong. In virtue of which he yields himself to fellowship with them and allows himself to be guided by them. It is to them the believer must feel the most drawn, said Kenneth Wiest in his word studies. I was struck by the video we had today, uh, Pastor Damien. What was he talking about? What did he say? The other. The other. And did you see how deeply affected he was? Uh, yeah. I mean, he is being, he's in a dangerous place. He's in a scary place. He's in an adventurous place. He's in a fulfilling place. He's being drawn away to the poor and those affected by poverty. That is a beautiful thing. And we know that Jesus was constantly drawn to the lowly. At the Everett Gospel Mission, we have learned a principle, or several principles, that we continue to put into practice in every sphere of our operations and ministry. Number one, we understand that if we intentionally move from behind the desk and sit next to our clients, listening and learning from them, allowing ourselves to be guided by them, as Frederick Godet said, that we will experience Christ in a deeper way and become a better expression of Christ to others. Number two, we know, knowing we can more deeply understand our own brokenness and need for grace as we travel this side of heaven with others. Number three, learning not to see our clients as the other, but as pilgrims on the same journey to allow ourselves to be guided by them. Our CEO of the Everett Gospel Mission, Sylvie Anderson, if you ever met her or seen her, she's, you know, just dynamic, right? I mean, she just, whew, energy and glow and charisma. 
When, when our clients who she hasn't seen, for instance, for several years, I, I observe this time and time again in our offices, our admin offices. Somebody maybe from, was in our women's shelter three or four years previous would come in, and she would go, she would embrace them and love them and lead them upstairs because she was drawn away by them. She was drawn to them. They led her away to another place, the place where Christ wants us, right? Yeah. And since I'm getting short on time, I'm going to jump ahead to slide and move forward. So Jesus was taken by the other. We get this sense when he walked into a room. Read, read the Gospels through this lens. Observe Jesus when he gets around people who are the other. He is just attracted to them. He can't stand himself, if you will. He just loves them and embraces them and points them out and brings them to himself, right? So we'll close with this passage in Luke 14, by the way, uh, shamedly making an advertisement that my last book was based upon, Contagious Love. Luke 14, 12, and, and following. Then Jesus said to his house, host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. Now watch this. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and what will happen? You will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house might be full. Compel means, in the root Greek word means, hook your elbow under the elbow of somebody else and drag them into church. Just bring them. Just come on. Let's go. Right? Why? so that my house might be full. He wants his house, and the Greek there is bursting at the seams. He wants a church bursting at the seams. Just think what the church body, universal church, the powerful witness we would have in today's skeptical words if we lived these words more and more to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and not only will you be blessed, the church will be bursting at the seams. Thank you very much. Careful to try to not take your notes, Nancy. <laughs> yeah, there goes the rest of my message. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. The, as you can already begin to get a flavor, the wonderful thing about serving in community and partnerships is the opportunity to know others of his children and have our lives enriched as we serve together. Thank you both. Um, okay, so the what is serving. The what is? It's a way of being that leads to? And how? We, we serve with? And compassion means? To suffer with. We're going to try that again. Compassion means? And who? The last one is? It's right there in our statement. Who? Yeah, our neighbors. I think we probably don't need to define the word neighbors as much as we need to make a conscious decision to stay present to, pay attention to our neighbors. We tend to live such hurried lives, 
We have full schedules. We're often rushing somewhere. We're focused on a to-do list, thinking about an upcoming meeting. What do I fix for dinner? And it becomes very easy to pass by our neighbors, the people right in front of us, the people in our own homes, the people in our community. There was an off-Broadway play titled, Now, Here, This. It's an unusual title, but it might not be a bad thing to say to ourselves on a regular basis so we can stay present to the person right in front of us and the neighbors around us. Stay present. Let's say those three words together. Now, here, this. Tyrone McMorris um, has ministered to our neighbors on Casino Road for the past 22 years. He is unable to be with us today because he, he and his family are enjoying uh, some time away. Casino Road Kids Ministries ministers to those on Casino Road. It's an ethnically rich and diverse area composed of a high immigrant population. Uh, it also, most of the people that live there are in medium and lower income. Casino Road Ministries offers the love of Christ through homework clubs, book clubs, mentoring, serving, that, that the lives of children and by extension their families will be transformed. Tyrone, we captured his thoughts on video on what it means to stay present in compassionately serving our neighbors. Good morning, North Shore Christian Church. My name is Tyrone McMorris, and I'm the founder and executive director of Casino Road Kids Ministries. As, when I think about um, staying present in a neighborhood to show compassion, I just think about the opportunity that the Lord has blessed me with to stay, uh, consist, consistently stay on Casino Road uh, for over you know, 20 years. And the one thing that really stands out to me is just the relationship I've been able to have um, in the local elementary school. Um, I first started serving at Horizon Elementary School in 2006, and it was because the principal reached out to me to ask me if I would come and mentor a, a fourth grader. And um, as the principal and I talked about this, she told me that she reached out to me because she remembered me contacting her back in 2003 asking if I can volunteer. Now, do I remember that? No, I don't remember that. But I do uh, do remember, uh, you know, I've been on Casino Road since the year 2000. And so sometimes when we're compassionately serving people, um, the impact we get to have doesn't happen right away. Uh, results don't come quickly, but they come over time. And I know one of the things that God put in my heart was he wanted me to just stay faithful to this road and faithfully serve him. And so, like I said, 2006, get this phone call. Started helping this fourth grade student and walked with them for years and years and um, built a great relationship. And then I got to meet more kids. But the coolest thing about, you know, being consistent is in the year 2018, um, the principal asked me to speak at, at their chapel, uh, not chapel, I'm sorry, speak at an assembly at the school. and. And it was really cool because I got to share my hope in Jesus with the school. Now, some of you may be like, oh, man, that's really cool, which it is really cool. But I wouldn't have got to get to that point 
if I never would have said yes to just being there to walk alongside a fourth grade boy and walk alongside of other students through homework club. And, and when I'm at this assembly, I'm sharing with kids that I do believe in the one true God. And I believe that God created each and every one of them in his image and that they have, they're valuable to God and that they're valuable to me. And that's why I continue to show up on Casino Road. And I don't think that opportunity to speak at the assembly would have happened if I wouldn't have said yes back in 2006 to helping this fourth grade student and continue to serve at uh, other events that the school has just to be there, just to be present and just to serve and help, not just to show up so I can, can preach or to talk about Jesus, but to be his salt and light um, in person there. So that's what I think about when, when I think about being present in a community and, and, and showing compassion as a serve.